the, the Boga Hunting Podcast. That's why I, I tried not to have camps on my bow. I don't have to deal with slippage or anything Shut like that. Up. You just put a new string on there, you're fine. What is Boga? But seriously, that's the dumbest thing I've ever re- seen. It go- I am all about just it. strap it to your pack. Really appreciate the fact that you're from Michigan and not Georgia. You don't want to be the next Mark Kenyon. No. I'm a shit show. <laughs> that's, that spot's taken. You can see how pathetic Jared's face is right now. <laughs> because that's how it looked. It was just like, is this good enough? Hello and welcome back to the Boga Hunting Podcast, everybody. This is a show for hunters of all skill levels looking for knowledge and experience. So follow along and let's strengthen your hunt. First light. First light camo. We uh, rock a lot of their gear a lot of the time. In fact, on a daily basis, I wear an article of First Light clothing. Great stuff. If you are a whitetail hunter, it's great stuff. If you hunt out west, we love it. Their wool is top of the line. Merino wool is the way to go. Firstlight.com. Another sponsor of this podcast is HuntWise. It's an app that's basically your one-stop shop when you want to do anything with hunting on your phone. It's got social media. It's got mapping software. It has a place to buy gear. It's, it's awesome. If you want to learn more, go to HuntWise.com. Handcrafted in a small northern Michigan town, Bivouac Bow Company is Michigan's premier traditional archery manufacturer. Their machines and sanders are all purpose-built, and they only use the highest quality materials available. To meet the bowyers in their truly one-of-a-kind bows, visit bivouacbowco.com. If you haven't heard yet, there's a lot of buzz around saddle hunting these days, and if you're anything like us, you want to use the best gear available. If you're thinking of trying your hand at saddle hunting this year, don't settle for some knockoff brand. Use the saddle company that has been doing it since 1961. Visit trophyline.com to find out more. One of the reasons we've been so successful hunting in the backcountry is because we've had quality products to work with, and we've decided to partner with Seek Outside for a couple of reasons. All their products are really made to improve the backcountry experience, whether that's backpacks, tents, stoves, or other backcountry gear. These guys really know how to make a quality product. So if you want to learn more, head over to SeekOutside.com. Last but not least, Stierka. Optics. Sturka Optics. Do you say Stirka? I say Stirka. Great binoculars, great rifle scopes. Yeah. I'm actually going to be rocking one on my uh, AR build that I have. A little red dot action. Mm-hmm. Great warranty made in the U.S. Uh, check them out. Stirkastrong.com. All right. Welcome to another episode of the Boga Hunting Podcast. This is week two of our summer preparation month. So all things archery prep. Uh, we've talked about getting in shape with Archery Strong. And today we have Brad Brooks from Argali. Brad, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah. So for, for people who are maybe you know listening and, and don't know much about you, uh, what is it you do? Where do you come from? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, for sure, man. Brad Brooks, I uh, own a company called Argali. We're a lightweight hunting gear and equipment company. Most people, though, we, we also do a lot of content creation. So most people um, might know us through some of the film work we've done. And uh, we're out in Idaho, so kind of hunt all over the pit place, but mostly kind of mostly hunt out west, yep. um, all over the place. Well, and you, you, you know, for, for the media you put out, you've got that Brooks Brothers film uh, series coming out right now. How's that been going? Yep, it's good, man. Yeah, so we um, this year we uh, started put on our first like season of content, and so instead of doing more of the traditional film route, we um, kind of put all of our content from hunting in Alaska to uh, Idaho, 
a bunch of other places into um, a season of content. And uh, yeah, it's been going well. And right now we're kind of in the middle, kind of have like mini series in right. our first season. And right now we're, we're uh, kind of, gosh, I don't know, probably two thirds, three quarters way through our brother's series, which is about my two brothers and I, and you know, kind of the through line is we're on a kind of a, a pack trip hunt, late season hunt. But it's about more than that. And uh, I don't know if you guys watch any of it. It's oh, kind yeah. Of a, it's a lot of brotherly love. <laughs> a lot of ball busting going on. But um, yeah, no, it's, it, and that, this is kind of a special one uh, for me just because I, um, yeah, if you guys have anybody with siblings can kind of hopefully relate or even family can relate to the, um, how special it is to kind of hunt somebody that's in your family. Yeah. I know for me at some point in my life, I kind of got away from hunting with my, my brothers. And so it's kind of been, you know, to be able to come back together and hunt with them on a more regular basis than yeah, it's just been fun. Yeah. Just been enjoyable. So yeah, that, that series has been really fun to put out. The response has been really good so far. Yeah. It's, it's a special thing to do with family members. And you know, Jared tells me all the time how he feels that way when he gets to hunt with me. And so, you know, I totally understand it. He's going to do this the entire time, by the way. (laughs) It's the only reason he has us along. Yeah, it's it's right. Uh, He's just under the bus, you know. (laughs) So, and I got to say, your knives are awesome. I watched Jared take apart his turkey in, like, no time at all. Good, yeah. We we advertised that it could cut up an entire elk without needing to be resharpened. So, I'm I'm glad it got you through a turkey. (laughs) (laughs) Jared, did it work for you pretty well, Jared? It didn't give you any trouble. At least it didn't look like it. No, yeah, no trouble at all. I mean, usually I've had knives in the past where, you know, you nick a few bones and it starts to dull down a little bit. But, I I mean, the turkey isn't very big of an animal. So, I I mean, it it cut through, like, as as they say, a hot knife through butter. Yep. Yeah. No, when we, so that knife, it's funny, man. Like I, I kind of like built it with like basically on, for like type of hunting that I primarily do, which is a lot of backpack Western hunting and just not wanting to be able to like having to take like, a knife sharpener with me, but take like one, yeah. fifth, not have to get back up and all that. Right. And then, um, uh, my buddy, uh, Taylor Chamberlain, uh, I don't know if you guys know Taylor, yep. but he's a yeah. guy. Okay. Taylor told me he cut up some insane. I was like, you know, we was like testing it for me, and he cut up some insane number of whitetails. <laughs> I thought he was butchering them like I would butcher an animal, right? Like quartering, deboning, and everything. Right. Um, but it was like 50, 60, 70 animals he had cut up. Yeah. Holy cow! And I was like, oh, that's, that's impossible. Like I know we made. I feel like we make a pretty good product. But that's just crazy. Right. Like, and then it came out that he's like, well, you know, I'm just like mostly cutting them, you know, cutting off a few quarters here and there. But still, anyway, it's still, it, you know. It's yeah, still it's a, a lot of deer. That dude uh, puts in the time in a year. I feel like there's not an, a guy in the country that's white, uh, whitetail hunts as much as he does. Yes. I mean, I he is every day out there. It's it's crazy. You're a climber, correct? Your background is, yeah, is yeah. rock climbing? Yes, sir. Yeah, it is tell me yeah. how'd you get into that like do you still do it what's that like yeah i still do it so actually so my background so let me pull back even more so um i i played soccer my whole life uh, put me nice. through college and yep. then when i what position uh, i was a center midfielder Oof. okay that's yeah. good for you though you know that's a lot of running yeah <laughs> jared and i were smart so we played a lot of soccer together he was defense i was forward so we like to stay ah, away okay. from that midfield running all the time type of situation it was exhausting yeah. but the, the, <laughs> so when i got to college we uh we had two like all-american center midfielders and so my coach was like 
I'm I'm six uh, two, and he's like, yeah, you're kind of big. He's like, why don't you try playing defense? And so I ended up playing defense for the vast majority of my college uh, career because I started there, and then once I got back there, he was like, oh, we're just gonna keep you back there. What um, What was now. harder? What What did you find more challenging, like playing defense or um, playing midfield? So it's funny when I got to college, like playing, it was a much more aggressive. Uh, physical sport and so I think the hard part about being a defender was like I was expected to be like kind of an ogre right Jared uh, that's Jared <laughs> yeah you just kind of like break bodies exactly and uh, <laughs> I did <laughs> I, I think playing center midfielder is just a harder position in general because you have to have like uh, this is like a total diatribe on soccer but like yeah. better like situation awareness <clears throat> right whatnot um, but uh yeah I thought it was more difficult. You got to be a bit of an ogre back there. I mean, I still have a bad ankle from Jared in practice. You're welcome. (laughs) Don't try to jump over me. Don't go up in the middle against Jared. He had you had like 20 pounds on me. It wasn't even close. Hey, and I used every single one of them. (laughs) By the way, no, you know I feel with like middies, like you have to be a good offender and a defender. You know, like you have to be both. And that yeah, makes yeah. it difficult because you have to have the size as a defender, but then also the quickness of yep. playing on offense. So yep. I hated I, playing I, midfield. I was our uh, I was our designated. Even though I played defense in college, I was our designated like free kick. If there was anything, oh, ball yeah. was in like usually my 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 shot. I think it was like my coach like when I was a freshman, uh, my coach knew I was like a set piece taker, and so I took like my first set piece as a freshman. I like scored a goal, which yep. was like honestly. It was like a miraculous achievement. I'm like, I don't know how that happened. Um, it was like an outer body experience. It was an insane shot. And I think since then, my coach was just like, all right, you're going to take all of our techniques. Hey, like, my tracker like, was super low from that point out. It was not <laughs> if you can do it once, he could do it again. That was, a, yep. I mean, I get it. Yeah, I know. Um, what anyway, you, I, I, what time on, before we move on, I got to ask one more. What would be, you said you were the, the kind of designated uh, free kick guy. What yeah, would be your? What's your ideal like set? Like the, like the eighteen or just on the arc? Yeah, just just maybe two yards off the eighteen, left side of the goal. Just bombing the righty. Yeah, Herber, and like, Bender like Beckham. Just Bender like Beckham in there. That's a, that you're dating yourself now. You're yeah. making it. That is true. I know what you're talking. <laughs> I don't think a lot of the younger crowd is going to know what that means or who David Beckham is like, other than famous. Yeah. We're not that old yet, are we? I don't know. It's hard to tell. <laughs> uh, uh, so, yeah, so I played uh, soccer in college, and then I needed my uh, senior year, I, um, I needed an extra credit to graduate, and so I took a climbing class, and uh, uh, I needed an extra credit to maintain my scholarships. And so the spring of my senior year, I took a climbing class, so I was uh, 22, and that's when I started climbing, and it was just like um, kind of fell off the deep end uh, in it. So um, got into it that way, and uh, been doing it ever since then, um, and still doing it. You know, I've climbed all over the place, um, uh, a few places internationally, all over the country. Um, I was actually just doing it last weekend, nice. all weekend. Um, and I, yeah, I probably climb and train for climbing. I don't know. Like five days a week or so um i don't really like talking about the training part but it's like <laughs> it's just part of the territory it's a lot of work um, yeah yeah it's just a lot of work it's um it's just a lot of like like you see like these these like i see these like really young kids doing it today like 10 year olds yeah and they're 
thinking like the thing you realize is like tendon strength and finger strength is something that it gets built up like over a like years years long process it's kind of like a lot of long distance athletes like hit their prime in their 30s sure um and it's, it's similar with climbing where it just takes like years and years of work to really build up the sport specific strength um so it just yeah it just requires a lot of work but yeah i really uh, i really like it it's it's it, there's a lot of parallels to the hunting space in terms of um just like you know dealing with yeah focus and you know able to like you know pick a goal and stick with it um but yeah a lot of crossover but it also it's a nice balance in my life to climb to uh hunting i should say yeah um, so mm-hmm. i spend most of the I, I don't climb a ton outside during hunting season but then like winter spring and fall is kind of the prime uh climbing time for me and then usually about mid-summer i pretty much transition full-time over to hunting and just try and kind of maintain my climbing fitness level yeah um the rest of the year so when did you uh, when did you start hunting then? If you, you started climbing to, to age twenty two, is hunting something you did very very early on? Yeah, yeah. I come from a hunting like super generic standard hunting family. Yep. My dad's from my, my dad's side of his family is all from Wisconsin, so like big whitetail yep. uh, hunting family. Um, and uh, you know, hunting and fishing, which is like all we did. Like family vacations were focused on like we'd go somewhere to go fishing. Um, hunting is, uh, yeah, just something we've always done. Um, but we grew up, uh, I've told, I've, I've told the story before, but like the way I grew up hunting was really like a Midwestern hunter, kick like your classic, uh, Midwestern hunter, like white tail hunter and like, specific tactics, yep. uh, where you just hunt elk. Um, so we learned how to hunt elk, uh, the way you would hunt like white tails. Like we would do like elk drives through drainages. <laughs> oh really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. And it worked. I mean, we killed a fair number, but it was like, it was not like the standard way you would hunt elk. Um, a lot of, and then my, my older brother and I, who were um, pretty close in age, we, um, yeah, we ended, we hunted a lot together. At some point, we kind of just decided we wanted to kind of learn our own style, just kind of through trial and error, just hunting a bunch. So, I mean, we're lucky here where we're at in Idaho. We, you know, do everything from bird hunting to, yeah. you know, big little bit of everything do you ever uh pop up like a climber or anything to hunt a, a draw for something like that for elk like you would with whitetail <laughs> um i've never uh rock climbed and to go hunting um i have i don't want to give away too many secrets here but there are some places where that require that you can access through repelling off some cliffs okay <laughs> yeah so no that's it, legit that's legit no, I'm out. yeah Jared's, what, what i mean though is like you know one way one thing we've been debating mark jared and i um yeah. about elk hunting is like hey you know we with our whitetail gear super lightweight we've got like uh either either a climber or uh, a saddle throw it on our backpack yeah. and mark and i were in the camp and you you actually know someone who's done this fairly successfully mark where you get out you hunt like a, a drainage or something or a draw and uh like literally post up like you would whitetail hunting in november um and so jared is staunchly against these like that's not what what it's about you know you got to be out and glassing and everything else and so you ever try <laughs> anything like that settle a little debate Dude, for us no it's funny so like i haven't done it because like it's just not something i'm interested in right um 
but exactly. there's some boys there's some boys from minnesota that i've seen uh that come out to idaho hunting they crush it by doing just that yeah they find a wallow set up a, a tree stand and they kill elk consistently and they just grind it out they'll do like five six days in the stand over while it's getting yeah hit. you know that damn thing gets elk i mean bulls are gonna roll through that if you sit that stand in a five day period like i would have a hard time believing during the rut you're not gonna see right at least like like it's it's a strategy that would absolutely work yeah um it's just not my style like i know it would work but i have a <laughs> uh, like uh when i went out to i went out not to bring up uh taylor's gonna like his ego's gonna explode when he, he was <laughs> um but when i went out with taylor like, that's the most time i've sat in a tree stand that was last december and it's like it's definitely like i have an appreciation for like mental when it takes to like sit and um, but especially if you're doing it, like all day, I just like, this is not something I, um, the style of hunting I prefer to do. I like to like call them in and have like a bull come screaming in my face. Right. Yeah. And Jared, you love, I mean, yeah, I, I could see definitely the appeal, but like for a whitetail guy, just not knowing how to do that, it seems like a, a manageable way to get out and at least have a chance of success. Dude, it works. Like I'm, I'm here to tell you those Minnesota boys that I see, um, they kill elk like consistently, same, same, uh, they don't like look, they don't find new wallows either. They use the same wallows every year. And like I said, it, it works. And they, yeah. I think they're, but they're, you know, they're packing in the, um, I assume they're, I don't know if they're using the saddle, um, but they're packing it in like, you know, maybe like two, three miles. Yeah. Um, not like insanely rugged or, or crazy amount of distance, but um, like I said, it's a good strategy. Yeah. That's a, anyway, so it's totally side, but. <laughs> You know, speaking of elk, the reason why we wanted to have you here, um, turkey and bear season behind us, time to, you know, a lot of, t it's the time when a lot of guys really focus on getting dialed in for the fall. I mean, people are starting to shoot. Um, what are you doing right now to prepare for, for the fall, late summer? Um, just like, I mean, there's a lot of things. I could, I could hit that from a lot of different angles. Um, you want to talk scouting? You want to talk, like, I want to talk specifically with your bow you and, and your bow time yeah. you know um how are you preparing your archery skills uh, for the fall yeah great question um I, I will tell you what i do although um uh you know i'll preface this by saying i'm not i'm not totally sure what i do it's like the right thing sure this is what you do yep for me um so i try and shoot every single day if i can even if it's just like one arrow mm -hmm. um so i have uh target so one thing i do is, is just like practice as much as i can um i have two young kids so like you know and i you know a lot of work to do just like everybody else so right. like, i'm trying to fit this in around my schedule um so what that looks like is just like i do what i can when i can yep um so even when i was like for an example when i was out on this climbing i was out climbing over the, the world day weekend I took my bow with me and part of my warm up routine for climbing would be shooting my bow every day. So I get nice. up and shoot and, um, and just to, you know, keep that repetition going and, and not, and just make sure my like shot sequence is consistent, um, and reliable. Yep. Um, the other thing I've been doing right now, honestly, is like now is when I kind of play around with gear on my like different pieces of equipment on my bow. If yep. I'm going to change out faster arrow setup. So I don't like messing I don't like messing around with new setup past like June 1st at right. all. Cause yeah. I've had bad experiences in the past where it's like, Oh yeah, I'll get this dialed. 
I've got like two months, two and a half months. I'll be fine. I got plenty of time. Yep. And it's like, it's just for whatever reason, you think you're dialed and all of a sudden like something's off and then you're scrambling. Oh, the arrows you're shooting aren't in stock. The broadheads you want are like no longer available. Like just like any number of things yep. can go wrong. Equipment wise, like I've spent the last, I don't know, two months or so kind of switching a few things up. Um, so I've got that dialed and then I'm shooting uh, consistently uh, right now. I will also, so like for me, that looks like um, uh, right now I'm basically just now like starting to like practice for um, uh, like hunting type situations too. So in addition to like shooting regularly, yeah. I will go out the hills around my house. Um, we have a three archery course. I'll shoot that course um, probably like once a week. Um, and then, you know, uh, I try on the weekends about to get some like longer angled, like steeper angled shots because we end up, you know, it's fairly common, especially for like mule deer hunting. Yep. Um, just kind of do some like situational type shooting. Get on my knees, you know, take some shots. Right. And, like, and that kind of thing. So, yeah. Lots of is game time practice and trying not to mess with my equipment as much as possible. <laughs> yeah, that's, I'm the same way. I like to late spring early summer i'll mess with some of the gear that i have like this year i'm trying some new arrows um and then i take typically i'll take like the first part of the summer and shoot fairly like controlled so you know between june to you know maybe july like just your simple backyard 20 yard 30 yard 40 yard or just you know straight on standing up target um, once it hits that later part of the summer I start to well, I I shoot a trad uh, a recurve, so like I'll go a stump shoot in my woods, um, which uh -huh. has been I think one of the best ways to practice that I found because you can literally shoot any angle; it's always different, um, and it's a ton of fun. So, yeah, Mark. No, that's good. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, Mark. Good. Tell me, uh, you haven't actually said much on the podcast about your <laughs> archery, you know, style. You shoot uh, a compound. That's correct. You, uh, what's your, when, right now, what are you working on? I know you're kind of in the middle of monkeying with your arrow, your, your bow and arrow setup. Well, my practice has actually gotten kind of screwed over this year. I, um, we just purchased a house this past year. That's like a mile from West Michigan archery center, nice. which should be, should be the greatest thing in the world. You know, I should be shooting every day, but due to COVID it's been closed. Um, outdoor range, indoor range, 3d, everything's closed. And part of my compromise was, you know, I can live in a cul-de-sac neighborhood and have people around me. If I can go one mile down the road every day and shoot a 30 some, um, you know, station 3d course. And, uh, it just, it hasn't been happening for me this year. So I did a little, uh, crunch work leading up to Turkey season. Um, you know, pretty much like a month of just trying to shoot every single day. And, uh, I've got to admit, I've been I've been slacking these last few weeks. It's been it's been a challenge. Yeah. Well, and we all know Jared hasn't shot in a long time. I mean, are you there's, able there's to probably shoot? Cob there's cobwebs on my bow right now, probably. <laughs> Jared is a new <laughs> father. Let's face it. So yeah. you uh, you've got He's, now three children. So yeah, the newest one's two weeks old. So we're just we've just got our first four hour stretch last night. Nice. Congratulations. You look yes. well rested, man. <laughs> if you knew how tired I was right now, you'd be impressed. But I can't believe you're, awesome. I can't believe you're yeah, here. I know. I'm here. You know, I got to do it for the boys. I, I give you a lot of credit. 
I give you a lot of credit. Um, I do too. I was bragging to my wife about you the other day. I was like, yeah, you know, I'm working on these blog articles and stuff. And Jared's like, just load me up. I'm, you know, just going to the hospital with my wife to deliver a baby. Like, yeah, that's the thing. I'll get that stuff done. That's the thing. Like you, when we were in the hospital after the baby was born, we couldn't have any visitors. So it's just me and my wife in a hospital room for who wants that? I mean, 48 hours. (laughs) (laughs) I can go and close the curtain and not have anyone come in. But uh, yeah, I just knocked out some blog articles. Yeah, you Show wrote that. Up, you wrote that uh, things you can't, you have to take with you. You should always have with you in the back, you know, mm-hmm. backcountry bow hunting. That was pretty good. Yep, I like it. Just kind of flow flow out of me. Yeah, <laughs> you, you ever? Uh, you okay. guys, you guys ever do the uh, the blank bail shooting stuff? Blank bail, you know. The- you know, I I just started doing more of that this past. It actually wasn't until probably two seasons ago I realized that I was dealing with some target panic issues. Um, had had a few misplay shots on animals, and I'm like, what's going on here? And really started breaking stuff down and uh, realized, yeah, I was, I was definitely dealing with it. And, uh, yeah, I started to try and do more of that, the aiming and not shooting, aiming and letting down. Um, just, you know, some of those exercises trying to improve my – control and shot sequence are yeah. you i i did a, i did a bunch oh sorry go ahead go, no go ahead no i was gonna say i did a bunch of that uh last year because i had a uh, real bad target panic situation uh, as well and um i there's a guy here locally who's like a youth coach like a very successful youth coach and he only took pity on me <laughs> him to help me and uh yeah i i went through like i didn't shoot a bow last spring for like almost three months because he wouldn't let me um instead i did like exercises um like visualization exercises and different and then eventually when i did he let me shoot a bow again he was like yeah it was it was a very interesting situation but it worked um the guy is super good um and eventually yeah i i still incorporate some of that into my shooting so sometimes i will just go stand like you know 10 feet from target and just like shoot with my eyes closed yeah um that's and that helps you know try and do that i'm not as good about that but i, I try and do that like at least once a week just don't worry about aiming yep. one thing he taught me he has all his kids do um his and his kids by the way i say kids like these guys are crushers um they all are like you know national championship archers and he only he, he always has them like um and maybe this is like common knowledge and i just didn't know it but uh, when he's having them practice he will have them shoot like once aiming and once just like to the side and they'll go back and forth like one and one. Interesting. Um, yeah. And it's just, I think that helps. Uh, I don't, I don't, I mean, I think it helps them focus on form. So it's like shoot one for, you know, the matters then shoot focus on form and he has them go back and hmm. forth like that for their practice. Um, and it's, it is helpful. Like I found that like, if I'm having a bad shooting day, I'll just like forget about aiming. Um, a handful of shots and then go back to aiming it's like it's amazing how much it it helps yeah i feel like i i have the same deal what i i have um i just shoot into a hill like i've got an ivy hill in my backwoods and i can shoot there's no i haven't found a rock yet i'm sure at some point i'm gonna find a rock in there I have. you have <laughs> <laughs> well it's a little bit different you know my bow is not you know flying quite uh shooting quite as hard as yours but when i take some time don't aim i feel like then when i go back to shooting it's a lot easier. I don't know if yeah. I, I yeah, actually, b- 
Before we go further, Mark, you want to explain what, for the listener who might not know, what target panic is? Like, would you even feel comfortable saying what it is out of fear that you might get it from talking about it? Mm. Yeah, it is kind of one of those things, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. I know. Every time I bring it up to my dad, he's like, stop talking about that. I don't like those words. (laughs) It's like saying Voldemort. Exactly. Uh, For me personally, it's just getting locked off target. Like, I, I typically raise my bow to the to whatever I'm aiming at the animal or the bullseye yeah. and uh, I'll, I'll get stuck a couple inches below and have to jump the pin where I'm, I'm not hovering over my target, you know, um, it gets stuck and then I pull up and release simultaneously. Right. That that's for me kind of how it, how it manifested. Is Brad, that what you experienced as well? Brad, would you say that he yeah, uh, dude, described it? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I, like it's kind of, it's like, it's not uh target panic isn't like COVID, like a mask don't help you right so yeah. like uh, but yeah no it um that's exactly what it, it it's weird it's like your pin is like right below where you want it to be and then your mind you're like move like your brain doesn't can't tell your hand to like move your your pin up it just yeah. like stays and, and i compensated for it and i could actually shoot pretty well by compensating for it but it's not healthy. No. It's like the, it's like yeah. the first technique thing in the world, right? It's like jump shoot. And you're like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. My arrow is going where I want to, but it's horrible practice. Yeah, it's. Uh, I feel like ultimately it boils down to like the battle between my conscious brain and my subconscious brain. Like uh, if I just don't, if I, if I don't think about it, it, the less I like cognitively like think about it the better I shoot, the more I try to aim and think about that part of the shot. I feel like it just, it comes right in. Yeah. I've heard that it manifests typically in people that shoot more frequently. Yep. That's why Jared. You know, never I've heard it. it. I've heard it manifest more in people who just don't hunt well. Ah, <laughs> I mean, unreal. Also for the, for the record, this is an anti-Harry Potter mentioning show. It is. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lay it down there right now. No more Harry Potter. No more, uh, Harry, no more Voldemort. 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 Nope. All right, man. Hey, hey, I don't, I don't make the rules. So let it be written, man. Hey guys. Hey. I'm back. I was, I was guest emceeing while you were frozen up. How'd it go? I think I did pretty good. Nice. It, was, it was spot on. He was, uh, yeah, he was interviewing me on Target Panic. So what would you, uh, what would you come up with? What's like the one sentence summary, uh, Mark, that you gave? I was saying the the tip that I had gotten from uh, Levi Morgan on the basically training regimen of trying to go through your shot sequence, hold the pin on the bullseye, and literally hold it there as long as you possibly can without releasing an arrow. That was, that was kind of the thing that working on that regularly. And it was just like getting past that block of being able to hold a pin on a bullseye and not have a shot fire. Right. Doing that enough over a period of time, I got to the point where it was like, this feels natural holding a pin here. I don't have to release in a release of an arrow isn't eminent if I cross that, right. you know, that plane with my pin. So it's like immersion therapy. Like if you're uh, yeah, scared completely. of sharks, dive with the sharks, you know, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That that's, a, that's a really good way to put it. Absolutely. Well, you know, that's interesting. So Jared, you, uh, you, you and I have talked a lot about target, target panic. You've never had any problem with it. Still hasn't caught it yet. Huh? I know how to hunt. I keep licking his bow, <laughs> trying to give it to him and it never, he never gets it. Oh, sir. 
Nope. Unreal. Must be, it must be nice. So, um, yeah. are you doing, uh, how much, ele you're hunting out west a lot, how much elevated shot, uh, shooting are you doing? Are you, like, downhill, uphill, side hill stuff? Are you doing a lot of that? Yeah, I do a lot of that. Mostly downhill and uphill. Um, and that's, yeah. I, I mean, you end up, like, rarely, I'm trying to think of the animals I shot. I haven't had a flat shot in an animal in years. Yeah. They've all been, like, steep. Honestly, I hate deep uphill shots, which are my least favorite. Yeah. Um, I shot an elk a few years ago with my full backpack pack on. I was like packing out of an area, trying to go to a new area, and then like, ran into some elk. And then, like, it's like steep uphill shot. You got like your weight, like pulling you, yeah. trying to get <laughs> down the mountain. Um, the one thing I do too is um, as I get closer to hunting season, is uh, I, there are actually two things that I like to do. One, though, is uh, use like an actual deer target i feel like that's really important just in terms of like the mental preparation so like when you actually pull draw your your bow back on a real animal like it mentally there's something about practicing like in a very similar yeah. looking you know shaped object you don't like pull back and in your mind you're like oh my gosh this is a real deer this is not a target yeah. Um, you don't have like a green dot, an orange dot you're aiming at. So um, I like to put a broadhead on. So like leading up to my season, I will shoot every morning, like my first arrow with a broadhead at like the distance that I want to be comfortable at. So typically for me, that's like a, I'll shoot like around 60 yards ish with a broadhead. Mm -hmm. And that first shot is just like really important. So if I'm not doing well with that first shot, um, I won't like shoot at that distance in a hunting situation. Mm -hmm. Um uh, and the other thing I do too is um, I, I've taken some taken some shit for this, but um, I will drink intentionally drink like some fairly strong coffee before I take that shot. All right, I try see. and like get my computers um, because real. I thought you were going a different route, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I have a couple of strong drinks before I go shooting. <laughs> Edge off. Um, you know, two thirds, one third coffee to whiskey. Uh, ratio <laughs> there you go <laughs> upper and a downer <laughs> but it's just, it's just like i try and make it as like realistic as i can and for me that's like one of the things too that i've uh learned from both climbing and and soccer is like visualization exercises and and i think you know uh some people will like dismiss that as sort of like voodoo you're right um but it works, man. It works for me. And, um, I mean, there's a reason that like professional athletes do visualization exercises. Um, and there's a reason like sports psychology is a, is a, is a field, an actual field. Um, and so just like visualizing. So I will, um, do a thing where I will hold my bow in my hand and visualize, like literally just like play out the whole scenario of like, you know, deer walking out and like open my eyes, pull my bow back and shoot. Um, I even do that in the field. So one of one of the things that I'll do, like when I'm like stalking on a deer, um, I don't know if y'all like hunt Western mule deer, um, but like shaking your head, you're like, I don't <laughs> no. know. So like mule to. deer are a species to live out west. They're a deer that it's not a white-tailed deer. Um, they have horns and big ears. Yep. Just joking. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <my white -tail. laughs> so, Just living in a bubble over here. Yeah. Uh, what you mean? Yeah. You mean a white tail? <laughs> they're, they're just like a white tail except they're a little different um, ah okay all right <laughs> but i'll do that when i've like you know usually if you like you, if you stalk in you know on a deer sometimes you're sitting there for hours 
And so I will just to keep myself like entertained and also prepared, like just like go through, like play out the situation in my head, like, like do the mental scenario, like grab my bow, like, you know, visualize drawing it back and shooting all that. I, I feel like it never hurts anything to kind of, you know, practice even in, even in your head. And you can, if you do it, if you, when you do it a lot and get used to it, you can really like emotionally like feel that moment and you can feel your yeah. heart rate increase a little bit. And that's, I think that's good to go through. Well, it's good that you're drinking coffee too. That's going to elevate your heart rate. It'll get you going a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've heard of guys doing that. I've also heard of them running uh, like wind sprints and then running back to their bow and kind of doing that same scenario. Yeah. You know? Just so you yeah. have an elevated heart rate. You're maybe not aiming yeah. as steady as you, you'd like to be. Yeah, that sounds like a lot of work. I just drink pot. <laughs> <laughs> See, if I drank two cups of strong coffee, I would probably, I don't know, be in like some sort of heart attack or a coma. Yeah. I don't you know. I think I'm super sensitive to caffeine. You, you seem to be. Can't do it. I, uh, you know, what For most I... of the hunting that we do, we're going to have to do like uh, icebox, you know, challenge yeah. kind of thing where we uh, – <laughs> Free, freeze ourselves in the yeah. the cooler for however long and then go shoot our bows that's that's usually my number one problem when i'm in the stand and at full draw i like to just sit and, so bad. Yeah. yeah i like to just sit all day and then like at nighttime take two shots <laughs> sitting down and that's seems to be pretty pretty much right no actually no actually i've shared I, i've done i've done similar things i've done burpees so a lot of times when i'll work out i'll just do bow i'll shoot my bow either at the usually at the tail end so like i always get the shakes after i do like if i go for a run or whatever my hands are just a little shaky so i've tried that before it works pretty well but you're you, i mean like you said brad it's it's a little bit more work than just drinking a cup of coffee so <laughs> whatever works whatever whatever does it for you so jared or mark jared you guys shooting out of are you practicing at all out of like your tree stand in the off season moving to the saddle this year i am gonna be doing that big time I was uh, just trying to get things in order for that the other day. I had the saddle on this morning, and, yeah, I just want to get shooting from every position possible out of that thing so I, I feel confident. Yeah, that thing takes, like, practice beyond just shooting from it, like getting it set up, you know, figuring out how it works from a guy that mm-hmm. you know, haven't, hasn't spent a lot of time in it. Although you got your time in, in, in Wisconsin last year in the saddle. I showed you a few tricks. You did. You were you were really you're great. Oh, he showed you a few tricks. Uh, wow. <laughs> no, I mean we got Mark and I hunted in some of the nastiest weather, and like just setting your saddle up when it's like zero degrees and you've been sleeping in the tent all night. You know, it th- a couple of those mornings were brutal to get set up. My hands, because I had yep. fingerless gloves, my hands were just killing me. But oh, I, you know what? I can't even ask me where I was, Brad. Oh, brother. Yeah, yeah. Ask me where he was. Yeah, Jared, nice. Jared, were you with him? Uh, no, I was toasty warm in my sleeping bag within the tent. <coughs> Tagged out. With your, with not, your buck hanging not outside. Yeah. <laughs> not freezing my ass. Yeah, yeah that's true. You, you yeah, know what? Not, <laughs> not everyone can have a deer run square out on that uh, on the first day, you know. We're not all so lucky, Jared. You guys hunt you guys hunted hard. You did. But th- this is Jared this year, Brad. Uh this fall sits one spot in in what his second sit, never been there before, shot a buck. So uh got one of his bucks in Michigan. We go to Wisconsin, first day, shoots a deer a buck. Uh that literally runs in it's like a five yard shot his first day. Um turkey season, 
you off got the ground. It. Yep, off the ground you shot the deer. Uh, turkey season, you got your turkey on the first hunt, and you were what second in the the turkey calling BHA contest in uh, for North American chapters. So, like I lo- lost a, lost to Joe Exotic. Yeah, that was a tough tough match. Joe was he used a, a very specific niche to to win. I thought I thought your calling was better, mm. but I'm a little biased. Yeah, I. I saw that, and I thought that was both clever and a little unfair. Right. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I didn't want to say it, but now that you said it, I'll go with you. <laughs> like, you know, don't pay attention to my calling. Pay attention to my tigers, my outfits, and you know, in my wig. Right. Oh, and, actually, no, I think that's his real hair. Hey, good for him. Okay, well, if that's his real hair, he deserves to win. Yeah, so I was that just going to say. Golden locks. He earned the, that hair. But here's the thing, too. Yeah. You Jared, you those. should you should have dressed up, man. After the first match, and you saw he was he was going with it, you should have cha- you should have dressed up. I'm don't let don't that know. let that that's personality shine. I was, I was there. I was there to call turkeys. Yeah, fair. And that's what I wanted to do. And yeah, you did. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I actually found some and then started calling to them. It was perfect. Yeah, so I did all I could. I wasn't gonna dress up. Sorry, man. <laughs> Yeah. You entered me into the stupid thing. Yeah, I didn't. I, I like, didn't no, even man, tell Jared. Even well, Jared's always like, always walks around when I go hunting with him. Like, I feel like half the time you're looking down on me because of the calling that I'm doing. Like, I'm just not as good at it. And so, like, I just, I'm like, oh, big man, Jared, if you're so good, go, you know. And so I entered him in as a half joke. He's like, all right, I'll do it. So, I feel like it played out pretty well for everybody. You know, that's kind of how I joined the Marine Corps too. Actually, Steve came home and he goes, hey man, I just joined the Marines. I was like, all right, let's go. So you, that was, <laughs> we just went. that would be all, <laughs> that's all you need. That's the extent of it. So. You know what? Major life know. decisions should be just like that. Go with your gut. Yep. Just go with the, go with your gut. <sighs> Must be Great nice. Place. So, so how much shooting were you guys doing out of your saddles last year leading up to the season? A lot. Yeah. A I lot. would, I have hills, so I would just put my saddle low, but I would shoot down a hill. So I could at least yep. not have to climb up, climb down, climb up, and, and just it was like I could just sit there, unhook, go get them, and pull it up. So I I did quite often, but last year I shot that long bow, and it was it was a pretty long bow, and so it took me a lot of extra time to get to get used to it, like up in a tree stand. It was it was a little long, so I went a lot shorter this year. Yeah, I would say that the biggest downfall of trying to practice out of a saddle or a tree stand, for that matter, is shooting your round and then having to get down get your arrows and then get back up but it is going to give you a lot of good practice getting up and down yeah but once i got up there and started shooting it was almost the same as shooting out of a stand like it's it the distance that i was shooting gravity didn't have too much of an effect on it right um i guess if i was shooting downhill or shooting uphill uh kind of like what brad does it might have more of an impact but once i got on at like 20 30 and then started poking at 40 yards i was i was pretty comfortable after a couple rounds of shooting you guys like to shoot do you like shooting at like a, a real target or are you just shooting at like a home target i've got a, a block just a block target um if i had if i had a real life target i would shoot at it i'd I prefer a real life target i just haven't fallen yet yeah to be honest yeah we'll go to like a 3d range and stuff and shoot there's one yeah. in caledonia and, and around here what about you mark yeah same i uh, typically shoot at a block but um this past year living uh, now in within a mile of the archery center, I shot the 3D course probably once or twice a week. Nice, especially leading leading up to the season. 
which that's that's really good conditioning. I, so you're I try be- to do it within an hour, and uh, it's you know thirty some stations, so basically like jog between each one, you know. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. You, you can get your heart rate up good. I throw a backpack on and load it up with some some weight, that kind of thing, and that's yeah. uh, it's about as good a practice as you can get, in my opinion. So you're going to be all dialed in for uh, this year's competition we hold. Towards the end yeah, well, we'll see if, if the Archery Center opens back up. That's the million-dollar yeah, question. say that. I know. Yeah, you but, and your target panic jinxing and now this. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like it. Yeah, Brad, we do a, a shoot here. Uh, this year would have been our second annual uh, BOGA shoot. And uh, I don't know. I hope – hopefully by September we have – August, September we have uh, – like the ability to, to shoot back there, but who knows? You guys, so you guys don't have any, uh, what your archery season is, is like late October. When does it open up for you guys? October one. And it runs through January one. Okay. That's a super naive question from a Western. No, no, not at all. And for, uh, for you, it's what I got to think like end of August through January, pretty much. I know um, this year, so I have a Nevada archery mule deer tag. So I will go to Nevada August 8th. Wow. Um, that is early. There. And then I'm going to Alaska, Bohan Blacktails in like end of August. Get yeah. out of here. I'm not, I'm not, I'm just, I'm just bragging. Must now. be nice. Yeah. You know, <laughs> <bragging. Yeah. laughs> I'm going to open up my wallet here in a second. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, our archery you enjoy that. <laughs> our archery season is kind of um mostly wrapped up by the end of september and then i uh i last year i went down um to arizona in january and hunted uh, those coots here uh, which is a trip was but, that yeah, with mostly josh? We're most... what's that was that with josh kirschner yeah yeah it was yeah yeah yeah, yeah, that yeah. Was nice. we had him on for oh you bet okay yeah um yeah it was uh that was i think i would I think those things are like the toughest spot stocking animal I've ever hunted. Um, they're just a very, very thin disease. Very hard to see. They're so they're so small. Yeah. Um, you guys, did you guys, did you guys hunt? Have you hunted those before? I've never hunted coos deer. That's high, actually fairly high on my list because it would be awesome to be able to go that late in the season. Uh, and it's yeah. warm. It would be just. It sounds like a great spring break or like winter break. You know. Mm. Yeah, it, it is. Yeah, for sure it is. Um, yeah, I I can't say enough good things about it. Um, it's just different. That Arizona country is just it's beautiful country. Um, those and those man, those whitetails, they'd probably be like you guys be right at home. But like hunting, they're just so I, like the like finding them like on your stock is usually like the biggest challenge because right. they're so tall. Like the grass and brush just dwarfs them so much so like you know <laughs> yeah it's a whole nother like style of hunting but it was super fun but but yeah our archery season is um usually uh pretty early so in fast and furious and then you know everything from like pronghorn to deer and, and elk is pretty much is over by september yeah yeah you have i mean but you have so many different seasons uh for things to go after and in idaho yeah. you know for us it's like you get turkey you get deer you, maybe every once in a while you get a bear tag unless you uh you head pretty far north um that's about it so we have a longer season but you know we're, we're hunting deer the whole time yeah can you guys kill you guys can kill multiple deer though can't you, Just, can you kill- 
Yeah, what's our what's our limit? What's how does that work? What was that again this year? Two bucks. It depends where where you're at, where you're hunting. But yeah, yep. anywhere I think it's two bucks. Um, there's just different antler point restrictions based on what zone you're in. Right. Okay. And then doe tags um, in the lower peninsula are pretty plentiful. Yeah, usually you get like one with your combo, and then you can buy additional, right? Um, I don't. You can either elect to shoot a doe or a buck on okay. your first tag in in most zones. Um, some zones you can elect to shoot a doe with either of your uh, combo tags, um, but then typically you can buy a, a doe tag over the counter. Yeah, I mean, yeah, where where we've been in Gladwin, we can buy just about as many as you want. They're pretty much infinite, but it's you know ag, ag land where you're seeing 50, 60 does a night out in the fields when you're hunting in October. Yeah, this is like a cultural exchange here. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, wow, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. But um, also, the yeah. your second tag has to be four points or more on one side. That's right. Again, depending on what zone you're in, though. I think he's and when you say four points on four points on each side, at least the four by four. Uh, on four one side. Eight. Now I know what you're talking about. The four yeah. by four. Uh, we call okay. them eight points. Um, you know, <laughs> uh, this four by four, so that's too many numbers. You know, if it's a four by five, that's a nine point. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> too much. So we're good at math. Then. Yeah. 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 Right. Right. Four and five is about as high as I can count. So, it's yeah, that's all you really need. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, um, so you have your first hunt not too far from now. You have like two months. No, 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 no. Coming up here. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I'm like mule deer or uh, hunting mule deer with a bow is like my favorite thing in the world. So it's it's definitely you know the thing I'm probably looking forward to the most. Alaska will be a lot of fun, but um, I'm probably most excited yeah about hunting all the hunts I have planned this year. That's definitely one of them. What do you? Why do you like hunting mule deer more than more than elk? I've heard uh, several people say they like it more, and well, from a guy I mean, from the elk, east, it's just like that's a giant yeah. animal. I mean, I I I like. What I like to say is I like eating elk and hunting mule deer. Um, elk are just—I mean, elk are just just kind of dumb. I'm gonna be honest. With you. Like during the rut, I mean, they're just not—they're—they're they're sent their guards down. Like just not as hard. They're not much of a challenge to kill. Um, this is a super mule deer snob thing to say. Yeah. Um, um, and I'll probably get a lot of flack for it <laughs> for saying it again. But I don't know. Like I love hunting elk. Dude, don't get me wrong. Like there's like elk are super fun to hunt. Um, I continue like, and most people in this world would rather bow hunt elk than mule deer. And I get it, but mule deer are, they're just hard to hunt. They're, you know, especially big bucks. I mean, it's no, it's not a lot of different than hunting like big white tail bucks. They're just, they're, they're savvy. They're smart. They're not easy to get on. Um, and just the challenge of hunting them is just really attractive. Um, big elk, like a new bow hunter can go out in the right circumstances, never having elk hunted, you know, and, you know, maybe spend like a month working a hoochie mama. Yep. You can trip a big giant bull elk during the rut. Like it happens yep. every year. You just cannot go out and trick a big mule deer and, and chew with a bow. Like it just doesn't happen. Right. Like, um, you can't call them in, uh, for one. Um, especially I'm, I'm talking like out of the rut. Right. Yep. Um, and even during the rut, um, you know, there, there aren't many, 
or as many like hunting opportunities, but especially like in the early season when they're in like they're, you know, they're in their summer patterns, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, they're just really challenging. And I love that challenge. Yeah. They're just awesome looking to those. A big mule deer is just sweet. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Going back just for the listener, when he says working a hoochie mama, I think that needs some clarification. If you're I wanted to address that as well. If, if you're not an elk hunter or have no idea what that is, uh, Brad, what type of call is it? Because it's a call. It's not what someone else might think. What's a, how does that work? I should have explained that. I assume everybody knows what Gucci Mama yeah, is. Yeah. But uh, Mama is uh, an elk, a female elk call that can be operated with your hand by squeezing it. So it's just like a rubber and that pushes air through the diaphragm. And I can hear a hoochie mama a mile away. Um, I I, I hope I don't get like sued by hoochie mama. um, Defamation. Yeah, I know. But they're really common. And, um, you know, guys shoot elk by working a hoochie mama. So, and it's it's a thing. If you're like in the West, we really thumb our noses at um, the hoochie mama folks. But honestly, like you can't argue with success. And like they do work. Um, and that's the reason they probably sell a lot of them. Well, they're like, so it doesn't require, easy. And they're so easy, man. There's no like skill involved. Like, you know, with a repeat, at least you got a, and a bugle tube. There's, you know, a lot of, a lot of subtlety and nuance involved. With I have a question on that. I'm sorry to interrupt, but I do have a question. Yeah. Uh, if I can work a turkey diaphragm call, how good of an elk collar can I be? Oh, you'd be phenomenal. Bingo. No joke. No joke. Bingo. It's, it's the same, man. Yeah, honestly, like if you can manipulate a read, you can manipulate a read. Listening, Jim. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I'm ne- he's never gonna. <laughs> I'm never gonna hear that. Number two, <laughs> number two, right here. Yeah, number who does Go. number two work for? Uh, that's that's <laughs> yeah. funny. Um, yeah, that's that's interesting because uh, I I know a guy who uh, Jared and I both know a guy who went elk hunting not last year, year before. He he worked at Hoochie Mama hard, and uh, did not get it get an elk. Work? No. Well, I, I, you know, I say it, it works, but I think it, um, it also doesn't work a lot too. Right. So, um, I, I would, I think it's worth, if you're, especially if you're coming from out of state, it's worth spending a little bit of time. There are a lot of good mouth calls that are easy to use, um, uh, out there that aren't hoochie mamas that are, um, have like a, um, they're external, external recalls that yep. work really well and sound really lifelike that are worth working. Um, you know, a recall, if people are willing to put in the time and effort, I think it just gives you a lot more flexibility, yeah. um, with calling if you're trying to call elk. Now I know, again, I know guys that don't ever call, um, that are Western elk hunters who kill, um, and my buddy Ben, uh, he, he's a crusher. He doesn't call and he has a very specific reason. He'll do locator calls and then he won't call at all. Um, so there's different strategies and there's one that's necessarily better than the other. It's just different. Um, he will do a locator call and then he slides in on those herds and just like, and just tracks them and then waits for a shot. Um, and he's been very successful doing that. Um, I like when a bull comes screaming into my face, like right. that's a lot of fun. Um, and so I like calling, but there are times where I'll just do a straight like spot and stock if, if I need to. I'll go back to the old tried true, which is like just sneak in on them. Yep. Um, so I don't know. It just depends on the situation. Yeah. You uh, do you shoot a uh, thumb release? What do you finger release? Hinge? What are you yeah, using? It's funny. I've, I've got one right here in front of me. I was gonna um, say, yeah. 
thought, thought I saw him playing with one when you were yeah, getting ready here. I keep one at my desk. So I shot with one last year, practiced with. I don't shoot one in the field, and I'm not going to this year. And the reason being simply that I lose things really easily. Mm-hmm. And walking around all day, like, I have no doubt I would lose this. The other thing is, like, I I don't know, man. I, I don't – I like the feel of a thumb release when, like, just in terms of, like, the way it feels much more natural and everything. And I know they're, you know, you're supposed to shoot better. But, like, I can't say I shoot better with a thumb release than a trigger release. Like, honestly, when you look at my – like groups like they're just not better right um so i i like i do both still i mean i'll practice with the thumb release but um in the field i'm just still gonna shoot a finger release and um maybe it's just i i, I can't have commitment issues yeah but uh yeah so i shoot both i've yeah. got also, i've got a back tension i play around with as well and all sorts of stuff you punch yourself in the face ever with that thing oh <laughs> Oh, almost. Um, I did shoot an arrow into my neighbor's yard. I lost <laughs> it one time, and I, nice. I went into the house, and I, I told my wife, I was like, I think I just, I don't know where I lost an arrow. I don't know where it went. It's not in the backyard, but I had no idea. <laughs> Heard a yelp from the neighbor's dog. <laughs> oh, dude, I was scared about it. I thought I, I'm like, she's like, well, which direction did it go? And I'm like, well, definitely that direction, but like, I don't know if it's 300 yards away or like 50 yards away. Right. It's like here much i'm aware of and i didn't hear anybody screaming i listened <laughs> no silence <laughs> sorry i just and then eventually my neighbor found it in his yard and i'm the only one that shoots a bow apparently in my street and he brought it over and he's like i figured I figured you were missing this and i was like yes thank you, <laughs> thank you. Uh, the worst yeah you know jared you shoot the thumb i'm surprised you've never dropped it or lost it um i swear i have it one time and I kind of just backtracked it. It sucks because it's camouflage. You did when I we were hunting was... this year. Never mm-hmm. mind. Take it back. We searched for your. Didn't we search for your release for a long time? Didn't you set something just, down? Just... Oh, I thought that was your release. Oh, what was that? Holy cow! Yes, yeah, so... I thought it was your release. I'm like, dude, I'm hunting. You're just walking around carrying your release. You don't even have your bow. And I'm like, how? You... I wouldn't. I wouldn't have had. I wouldn't have had my release then. Well, you lost something. I don't know what it was. It was something of value. Oh, we definitely doubled back. But you've never lost your release where we've been out and you're like, dude, I can't hunt. No, it's like it was one of those things where I just always try to keep a conscious note of where it is. Yeah. Like I'm constantly checking my pocket, which kind of sucks, but it's just, I don't know. That's just one thing you just can't, for me, you just can't. So I make sure to have it on me and I know where it is. Yeah. That Mark, makes sense. Mark, you, I can't. Put, you shoot a, fi- a finger release, right? Index, yep, yep. And you carry to elaborate? Uh, yeah, that's no. that was part of what my uh, my uh, little my when I was doing my archery coaching, he told me the finger release is probably a culprit for uh, my target panic. Yeah, mm. I've I've heard that before as well. Mm. But I've heard I've I've heard you can you can basically end up right back where you were with any release. Yeah, I saw that. Like the the thing is switching. Is what like gets you out of it, but then once you get break you out of it, but you can fall right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I saw that. Yep. I should have tapped. Not like any. I'm not gonna brag about it or anything. I don't need anything else. I can shoot with my fingers if I need to. So. You talk about losing stuff though. I've lost so many shooting tabs. They're everywhere. I've got a whole from here to Big Rapids, which is about an hour north of here. There are finger tabs just strewn about the woods that I have. Littered. If you find them. 
let me know because I uh, I had a, I have a couple sweet ones that I I was really bummed about and like the one right now that I shoot I don't really like and I just I never lose that one so. You were shooting like some gardening gloves at one point, were you? No, what I actually what this is a real thing. I was uh, I was um, testing a hypothesis uh, with mm. mechanics gloves because they're pretty mechanics thick. gloves. That's that's what it was. Yeah, they're leather. They're pretty thick, and I thought it'd be actually kind of nice. It covers my fingers. I could just hunt with them, and, and I knew a guy who did it, and it worked fine. It just I feel like it wasn't as consistent coming off the like the knob of my finger. Um, I yeah. feel like the, a thicker piece of leather, like less malleable, uh, work better. But in a pinch, it would work just fine. Like you could, you'd be not that worse off. So Trad life. I have, James, I do have a. Uh, so my uncle, so my family, my dad's had a family homesteaded in uh, Wisconsin, southern Wisconsin, and he gave me a longbow. That uh, my goal is to kill kill an elk with it next year. Um, and hopefully maybe even a white tail and come back and hunt on our old family place. So sweet. Uh, yep. I just uh, started shooting that thing uh, mostly so I could talk down to everybody who shot a compound. Exactly. Talk about <laughs> you, you have to call them training wheels now. That, every, the joke never gets yeah. old. It's like uh, I yeah. took my training wheels off a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah. Totally. I get it. I get it now. But yeah, no, those things are they're a lot of fun to shoot. You know, that's really the, my main, the main draw for me. It's like most fun thing to shoot in my backyard. For me, at least, it's like not even close. I just love plinking, shooting at sticks and leaves and just walking around. Squirrel hunting with it is about as fun as it gets. You don't lose your arrow that much. And like I got, a, I think I got six or eight squirrels last year. It didn't, you know, the meat, you don't get a lot of meat off of them, but uh, they're pretty good. Have you gotten to, uh, uh, my buddy uh, Clay is really into like making his own bows. And uh, I don't know if you've gotten into the self bow game yet, but uh, what what kept me away from shooting one of those things so far was hunting with Clay and watching him not be able to shoot an elk at 40 yards. Yeah. And uh, I was like, wow, that's heartbreaking. That's an easy shot. <laughs> you know, I, I saw a video of Clay. This is Clay Hayes, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. He We had him on. We've talked to him before. Uh, oh, okay. I saw okay. a video of him hunting Colorado. It was actually a whitetail. One of the bigger whitetails I have ever seen on film, and it was just out of range. It was like a heartbreaking close shot that, like, the trad. Every anybody who you know lives the trad life can understand, especially a a self bow. Like a self bow is even like is a ridiculous you know limitation to put on yourself. It's it's pretty pretty badass that those guys can do that. Yeah, you have to be prepared to eat some uh, eat some shoe rubber instead of game game meat when you're shooting one of those things. Yeah, uh, it is impressive. I mean, like those. Um, yeah, just like you know, being able to shoot those things consistently is impressive. Well, yeah. So, but, uh, yeah. but you're gonna you're gonna take the dive this year. Are you so you're shooting a lot. You got a plan. What's uh, what's your approach to uh, to the, the longbow? So I'm not gonna shoot an elk this year. So the plan is I don't have that much confidence in myself. Um, I still have a 10 month old at home ah. along with my year old. So like I'm gonna let that die down a bit uh, uh-huh. before I before. <laughs> Um, take the full, uh, the plan is, yeah, to shoot, uh, shoot it next year. Um, I've been shooting it a bit, but, um, I think I need to like make the mental switch. Uh, my other, my buddy, Andrew, like his approach last year was he sold, he had two compounds. He sold all of his compound, his bows and all his equipment. That so sounds he, familiar. That's what yeah, I did. He only had, yeah, that's what you did. And he lives in Wyoming and <clears throat> he, he's a, he's a super successful hunter. Um, he killed a really big mule deer with his trad bow, and then 
uh, like stuck a like 370 class bull elk in the shoulder blade mm. watch the arrow and just like fall out mm. and yeah it was like heartbreaking for him but he's you gotta be like super committed to it i think that's what i need to do it's just like i don't know if i'm gonna sell i'm not gonna sell my compound but i'm just gonna like commit to it yeah and be like i'm not compound i'm just gonna focus on one bow no. Yeah, not ready yet. It, it's a big. It, it, Jared gave me a hard time. I, I feel like a little bit when I. I just. I was like, I have. If I have both bows, and something goes wrong, or I just get frustrated. And there are times where I, I pretend like I'm gonna just chuck my bow in the woods, and it. You know, but in the back of my head, I'm like half serious. Like I really am so pissed off. I just want to chuck my bow in the woods. And I feel like in those moments, I'd go grab my my compound again, just to be like, you know what, I'm not gonna do it. So. Hey, you know what? I believe I did that same thing. When I was shooting a little bit of trad, you did. I sold my compound and went full trad life. It been on back. Yeah, and you went back. And that's it. And then my laps. And and look at you made that switch. And how many? You shot what? Two bucks and a turkey last year. So you did all right. I like it. You can go back and forth. I know, buddy. I have I have buddies who've gone back and forth. They like went over to the, the trad life to see what it was like. Turns out, like, several of them, like, had no problem killing the same amount of animals. And they're like, that was fun. Then they go back to the compound. <laughs> like, I've had my fun. Yeah, I've had my fun. This, yeah. is, this has been really fun and entertaining. But I'm going to go back to two days, you know? Yeah. No, I know that. Well, yeah, it is fun. Like I said, it's fun to do. The stump shooting has been great. Um, I don't know, guys. We're coming up on time here. Um what it got any parting like parting words of advice for the listeners? Anything we haven't covered talking about shooting and practicing yet that we didn't even think of? Um, I don't think so, man. I'm trying to think. Um, like I said, I don't I don't feel like what I do is necessarily the right thing to do, but I just uh, do what you can within the confines of your life to, you know, practice as much as possible. Um, I do think I do believe in like the one the one thing I do believe in is if you can shoot you know, rather than like saving up all your time to shoot once a week, you can just shoot like, a, you know, a few arrows a day, like even like one or two, like it's better, you're better off doing that than uh, shooting once a week for like three hours. Yeah. Yeah. I, agree. Mm-hmm. I would say don't settle for your general run of the mill. This is for the white tail hunter. Don't settle for your general run of the mill, 20 yard broadside shot. Like only practice that. Yeah. Just get out and just, do different shots and go to a 3D range or the shoot that we're gonna have yeah, this nice. coming fall. Uh, I like I like what you did there. It's just it's just gonna help you when you are in the field and in that moment. You're not gonna have a perfect 20 yard broadside shot. Who did uh, who determined cool. 20 yards was the the baseline? Like at what? Why is know. 20 yards the distance? It's just such a weird, <laughs> such a weird it's thing. There, but yeah, change it up. Be inspiring. Inspire other people with your shots. On the flip side of that, I'd say build a routine too. For me, mm-hmm. for me, I would put my bow in the uh, back of my vehicle, and I couldn't drive past the archery center without stopping and taking a few shots. That was just kind of my hey, there it is, I got to go, and I just you know shoot shoot a dozen arrows at forty yards and keep driving home. Um, it's between our house and the expressway, so it's a perfect excuse just to rip a few arrows, or you know, I've heard of guys leaving it. Um, you know, in their garage as they are about to get in their car. It's like, oh, no, I got to shoot a handful of arrows before I can get in the car, that kind of thing. Yeah. So that's that's something I got to reinstate in my life, I know. Yeah, that's good. Get a little more creative. I've got a good one. I've got a really good one. Send it. Uh, have fun when you shoot. And what I mean by that is 
on occasion I'll go out and shoot and when I shoot poorly and just think I'm get, get kind of frustrated and keep trying to shoot through that it goes poorly and like things fall apart and it's just really a waste of time so what I've started to do was I shoot things aren't going well either I just relax about it and I just shoot anyways or blank bail or I just put the bow down come back later um so that's helped me a lot, even with some of the target panic and just focusing so hard on the, on hitting the target and trying to hit the bullseye, that that's, that's been pretty helpful for me when I practice. Good one. Yeah, man. Like that. Nice yeah. share. Nice share. So, well, hey, Brad, we're coming up on time. Thank you uh, for, for taking time to talk with us, explain some of the ways of the West to us. Um, and and for, for people who, uh, you know, are trying to figure out who you are, uh, follow you, and, and contact you with all the questions and, and the angry emails about the things you said about elk hunting. Uh, how can they get yeah, in touch with you? Yeah. How can they get in touch with you? Uh, it's james.zanstra. <laughs> 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 uh, smart. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, at gmail.com. Yeah. Um, no, you can, uh, you, you can send your, uh, angry, uh, remarks to, uh, uh our golly official is, uh, our, uh, Instagram, um, or my personal one, which is a lot more boring, just like kid photos and occasional hunting photos, is uh, brad.adam.brooks on Instagram. Uh, and that's really the best way to get in touch. It's been oh. fun. Thanks for having me on, guys. And I, I feel like I've learned a lot, too, about um, the Midwestern uh, brethren. So much I don't know about. <laughs> oh, man. We'll have you out someday, and uh, we'll, sh- we'll give you a firsthand uh, you know, view of what, what hunting with the Boga guys is really all about. Right, right Mark? I- That'd be awesome. Yeah, let's do it. Just ask for the young fellow. Yeah, right. All right, thanks, guys. We'll we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Boga Hunting Podcast. If you guys like what you hear and want to follow along on what we're currently up to, hit that subscribe button on whatever platform you're listening on and follow us on Instagram at Boga Hunting.